Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you have ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. I am your host, Patty Porter. My guest hosts, Dina Zametta and Stephen Kotev, along with our guest experts, will share our experiences, raise your awareness, and give you food for thought. We will share with you problem-solving strategies, no matter what your situation is, at work, with neighbors or friends, family, and as partners. Tune in or join in the conversation every Tuesday evening. Good evening, listeners, and we're still in the new year. Welcome to our program tonight. You know, our daily lives are filled with isms, which is an attitude, a belief, a lifestyle, or behavioral characteristic we apply to others. Common isms that we hear in our language, sexism, racism, alcoholism, right? Getting that off my tongue there, and colloquialism. In our episode tonight, isms and words that help you successfully navigate your life, our guest, Bob Berlin, will give us further insight to our use of words, their impact, and what they really mean. Now, Bob Berlin, he's with the New Decision Management Associates, or simply the DMA, has been mediating over the past 45 years with over 6,000 mediations under his belt. He is an arbitrator trainer of neutrals, coach, former judge, and a legislator. Currently, he is the vice chair of the dispute resolution section of the State Bar of Georgia. He is a national and statewide presenter. His hobby is collecting words and nuggets of wisdom that can be vehicles for a smoother life. Bob draws from an eclectic professional background in law, marriage and family therapy, communications and teaching. And in addition to his present involvement, he is doing uh, continued education trainings and professional personal coaching. We're going to learn more about Bob shortly. Now, we are taking your live calls, and we already see a number of people in our studio. So if you want to speak to Bob and myself as Patty Porter, just press the one key during the course of our program tonight, and we'll open the, um, the lines for you, and we'll remind you again of that. We are also tweeting live tonight at TX Conflict Coach, and we're using the hashtag Conflict Chat, so you can also engage with us there as well. Bob, welcome to the program tonight. Patty, thank you so much, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, absolutely. We're just basically halfway through the month here, and I'm so glad that you're kicking us off, and what a great topic to do that. You're you're full of nuggets and wisdom, even in our planning calls, just like you were just throwing them out. I'm like, this is great and a lot of fun. So with your extensive background and your experience as a dispute resolution practitioner and coach, you have this quite the library, if you will, of these colloquialisms. And before we go into some examples of these, what drew you to teaching others about the meaning behind words and phrases? Patty, a good question. I just realized that when I was dealing with people, first as an attorney and therapist, and then moving into the conflict resolution arena, it's so helpful to be able to condense maybe in a sentence or two something that would be a piece of gold for those listening to it. Uh, and oftentimes it, it was so so helpful. Uh, I think of one that kind of I chuckle at that 
the second kick of the mule will not give you any more education. So something like that oftentimes will help somebody wake up to something or have the aha experience. Say, oh, my goodness, now I know what you're talking about. Or more importantly, if they develop it. So that, that's, And when I see that, and quite frankly, I get excited when I see lots of stuff like that. I really do. What so gets it's you become a about passion. What, what, well, what's the excitement and passion about for you on that? Well, first of all, I feel very enriched when I see something that uh, that I grow from, because uh, I'm I, I'm I really do believe myself to be a lifelong learner. So I and I feel that I will never be given, I'll never give up learning until I close my eyes for the last time. And when I realize that and I see others growing from it, there's, there's a, a tremendous excitement because uh, I firmly believe that all of us are born with the uh, wisdom of the universe uh, while we're in the, the mother's womb. And then as we, we go through the birth canal, we uh, gain amnesia. And then as we grow <laughs> through life, we we begin to say things that, uh, and I'm not speaking of repeating what mom and dad may have said to us, but and I'm sure most everybody can tap into this, that we say things and say, good God, where did that come from? That was really sharp, or that was very mm-hmm. smart. And the more I, I, the more, the longer I live, uh, I'm, I'm finding that some of these things are just coming out of me that everybody has. And, and, Certainly somebody who, I mean, I've been down the road, or as they say oftentimes, I've been to more than one rodeo, uh, that I may be able to help somebody avoid some of the pitfalls that they don't have to make. Mm, So that's where it comes from. Well, great. You know, and and I I appreciate you sharing that passion. So why don't we get into some specific examples and how people can use these these phrases, these uh ahas, these nuggets, as you call them. Where do you want to begin? Because you have a whole library. What what is your passionate, your favorite one that you want to share first? And I'm sure you've got lots of favorite ones. Well, one of them is uh, what I call the the honesty, the very blunt statements about things where many people in their desire to be very forthcoming to whomever they are with, uh, intimate other or some other party, uh, many people say, I call it like it is. And and I certainly respect that. Uh, But the more sometimes people have an attitude when they say that, Uh, they'll, they'll be very direct in their comments. And what I find is that honesty unmixed with compassion and understanding is subtle hostility. And if you think about it, uh, there's a very dear, close, personal relative of mine that is extremely direct. And uh, when I brought it to her attention, uh, she thought about it and said, well, they deserve me going after them like that. Uh, so oftentimes, and by the way, anything that I say does not mean it's applicable all of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. These are not finite statements that work everywhere all the time. So if we can all just consider that in, in many instances, they're very appropriate. So that one is a very is a favorite of mine. Uh, and many times I will not say it. I will just think it when I hear it. Mm -hmm. Because there are many people who do say, I call it just like I see it. 
Mm-hmm. Which implies, so, you know, that that's their truth, right? And and we know we've had I many like conversations, that. right? It, it's their truth. I call it like it is because it goes to their their truth. It might not necessarily be the other person's truth, but I liked the second part of how you added. When you use, I call it like it is, the attitude unmixed, not including compassion, <laughs> is a subtle hostility. And the thing about it is, is if they deserve it, if the colleague, friend that you were talking about, family member, said, well, they deserve it, the thing about it is, is what did they want to deliver in the message to be heard? And if there's a subtle hostility, did the person really hear the message that they so desperately wanted to deliver? <laughs> Absolutely. But what's another, not only what's another add, one? Well, I, may I add one thing to what you just oh, said? Oh, absolutely. It's with compassion and understanding, uh, the understanding is a critical part of it. Uh, another is a joy shared is a joy doubled. A sorrow shared is a sorrow halved. And I learned this so many times uh, when I did marriage and family therapy that when oftentimes when when you you're excited about something and you share it with another uh, it it exponentially grows and and the phrase is it doubles and then when you share a hurt a pain uh, oftentimes it it becomes halved merely by the sharing I recall a situation where it was a divorce case, very hotly contested, and there was a three-and-a-half-week trial coming up, and uh, and it happened to be a divorce attorney, a very prominent divorce attorney, and the uh, and the, during the marriage he uh, he would go on vacation, not with the family, but he wasn't alone, and when his wife decided to literally uh, throw him out of the house. Uh, he had the clothes on his back, and that was it. And she said, you're not getting anything because you utilize, you got everything you were going to get during the marriage. And they had, oh, a seven-figure estate, a, significant, a large seven-figure estate. And I asked him, Do you, have you ever listened to your wife uh, <clears throat> tell you about her feelings regarding her, what she thought of your behavior? And he said, you don't know what kind of mouth she's got. And I said, no, well, have you ever, well, I know how she feels. I, I said, ask it again. He, no, I've never asked her. So I encouraged him, and this was after 12 hours of mediation. I said, well, would you just listen to her if, if she's willing to tell you? And he said, well, nothing else has worked, so I'll just, I'll, this is the last thing we'll do. Uh, so he went in there and asked her, and she looked at him, and she said, this is the first time you want to hear it. And for 29 and a half minutes, she absolutely unloaded on him. Mm. And when she was finished, and I was looking at my watch because I didn't know how long it was going to last. And she (laughs) took a deep breath and said, what do you want? And for three and a half hours, we separated the estate out. Mm. So she was able to vent that intensity in such a way that a, that it was so obvious it made her feel better. And during the separation of the assets, uh, each would periodically cry and the other would comfort, literally walk over and hold the other. Mm. Uh, I mean, the, the, the marriage was, was concluded. It was over. 
but they still had uh, became what I call co-allies because they had children and and uh, and they left uh, civilly. Mm. And and what a so, shift just by listening, uh, allowing her to vent and say what she needed to do, and for him to be able to ask that question genuinely and really listen during that time and not shut her down. That was a huge shift uh, in that conflict conversation. Hmm. You are absolutely right. right. It was. It everyone just <laughs> was just so moved by it. Uh, mm. it, it. It went so well after that. And mind you, they had a three and a half week trial projected, which I'd know I heard of in, in the R.J. Reynolds divorce case, the uh, tobacco magnet. But this a three and a half week trial is almost unheard of in a divorce case. Mm. So with these colloquialisms, now you've given us two, and you have many more that you're going to share. What's coming to mind for me now is how do you use these colloquialisms in your Work as a mediator, for example, or as a trainer, probably definitely a trainer. But did you have you ever used them in your mediation practice? And what was the impact when you did? Well, in all candor, I use it in my life. Uh, the uh, it helps me uh, stay centered and, and continue to, I think, have in my humble opinion, have a full life, which I believe I do. Uh, and it's it's so helpful when I if I see an opening, like many times the um, folks are digging a hole, uh, and most of the listeners and probably all of the listeners can recognize when they they on occasion have dug holes, and the more they say, the deeper they get, and it's not the hole with the mule in it that uh, was thrown in the hole and just walks away because they put the the dirt back in, but. Just like, um, oh my goodness, Mark Twain had the rule of holes. When you're in one, stop digging. And Mm. when that's mentioned on a number of occasions, I get a look that says, oh my God, you are so right. Uh, That's never been said, but the look gave me the impression that that's what was thought. Because they immediately changed direction and moved on to something much more productive because many folks do, as we all know, they do dig holes and continue to dig even when they realize they're digging one. Mm. So it, yeah, and that's a powerful these, visual metaphor. <laughs> well, I think you're right. And, and, and many times I wish I had a saying that would be just appropriate for this moment. Uh, because it, it's such uh, those nuggets are able to enlighten somebody so quickly, so fast, uh, and they can relate to it in such a way that it has meaning in their life. And and I think that's the purpose of those uh, making the kinds of statements that uh, will be helpful, like uh, uh, mediators. And I know many of your listeners are not mediators. But mediators are not really, in the traditional sense, not really supposed to give advice. And and I use a third grader's uh, little written statement uh, that said the following. Socrates was a great man. He gave advice. They poisoned him. Mm. And this mm. is said to mediators in the hopes that they they don't necessarily give advice, but more of, 
help the person determine what they want for their life in, in this specific conflict, what they would like to, to see happen. Mm, very, very good. Uh, um, before we move on, let me just let listeners uh, know you are tuned in to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program, and we invite you to follow us on Blog Talk Radio. I am speaking with mediator and coach and arbitrator and lifelong learner Bob Berlin with the new DMA. We've been talking about some of his favorite colloquialisms and how they are these pieces of nuggets, gold nuggets, and aha learning moments that keep him centered. And and oftentimes might be used not just only in his life but in his practice or things that he notices in how conflict conversations are happening and how they can be strong visual metaphors to like stopping you in your tracks and saying, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be doing that or be, bringing some level of awareness. Um, let's open the, the line to, we have a number of people in the studio, but let's just check in to make sure no one has a question. If you have a question, you would just want to join the conversation, if you'll press the one key, uh, to let me know that you do want to talk, just press the one key and I'll open your line for you. Uh, and we'll just give a, a second uh, for them to do that if they choose to do that. Um, also, um, we'll be going to your next favorite one, uh, Bob, in just a moment. Let me just check in with one one individual I think might have, but let me just verify. Hold on, let me open the line. Uh, yeah, I believe this is Carolyn, but Carolyn, I wasn't sure if you had a comment or question. I, I looked like you had a question, but I just wanted to check in with you before uh, we moved on. Thank you, Patty. I appreciate that. I, I do have a question. Uh, going back to the um, hostility comment, um, first of all, I um, want to make sure that everyone knows that it was not me that made that comment to him about <laughs> brutally <laughs> brutal honesty <laughs> um, but i I wonder sometimes how when when people make those kinds of comments, how they might see the reception of those comments on the, on the other side hmm. great question, thank you, Carolyn. What do you think, Bob? I think that what Carol has brought up is what we talk to mediators about. If there's any opportunity that we can assist one party to walk in the shoes of the other party, uh, which leads to another one, walk a mile in the moccasins of uh, uh, of the Indian. Uh, and in no way am I hoping I'm, I'm being politically incorrect. That's not my intent, but that's where the phrase did come from. Uh, of course, many folks don't think too much about it in, in certain ways, but if if you walk a mile in the other person's shoes, uh, you're a mile away and you also have their shoes, so <laughs> you may have a benefit. But what, I, what I'd like to say with the uh, many times, if you can, people that are in conflict, if they can get an, if they, and it does take a little time, most often, to get them to experience what the other person is experiencing. Uh, like they say, if you'll check the history of your adversary, truly look at their history, you then most often will learn the uh, the kind of person they are. And many times that will soften them in their positions and and further, many times they'll find resolution. 
So it, it is so helpful for that for that to occur because most of these isms are to help them think maybe differently than they did. Uh, Einstein said the uh, the thinking that takes you to the problem is not the thinking that's going to take you away. And and I don't know if you've heard this one or not, uh, Patty, but mediators are really, in my humble opinion, environmental engineers. We create a new environment within which a new relationship may form so that if they choose to resolve their conflict, they may do so. Mm, Absolutely, and we've heard that before. And I I just want to go back to Carolyn's question, um, you know, because I know these colloquialisms hopefully get people to think in a different way and shift. And, um, you know, so when people like in the first example uh, about honesty and the blunt statements that people make and who are really direct, I call it like it is, and it has that, you know, subtle hostility the receipt, the perception of the uh, of the listener uh, listening to the statement, uh, I think it shuts them on some of those things. It shuts them down and not to hear the intended message. Uh, and I it, and that's what makes made me realize. Okay, so when you gave that feedback to your family member, or when you might use a colloquialism, and a lot of people use metaphors and these types of uh, phrases to get people to stop and shift and think the conflict conversation. Um, so uh, was there anything more before we move on? Was there anything more you wanted to add to um, Carolyn's uh, question or the perception of the listener when they hear those kind of statements? Well, your use of the word perception and maybe this is uh, collaterally very uh, uh, timely, that uh, <laughs> perceptions trump facts. Mm. And uh, no pun intended. No pun intended, so, exactly. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're, you're, thank you. I'm glad you chuckled. Uh, and, and, and many and oftentimes we, we deal with, not oftentimes, almost all of the times, that's what we're dealing with uh, in, in, in conflict. Uh, not only that, but there's the other, uh, which we don't feel as comfortable about ordinarily, and that is lies and deceptions. Uh, many times there are lies and deceptions, and many people will shut down immediately when they recognize that the other side is lying or being deceptive without saying, wait a minute. What's behind that? There's a reason they're doing it, and, and I've seen many mediations shut down because one side is claiming the other side is lying or being deceptive, and they don't want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's significant affect, just like the dominoes, because just putting an ism out there or making a statement hopefully will help clarify and get the air more calmed because when folks do have a conflict, they're in the presence of each other and or they're even in separate rooms with the same building, oftentimes right below the outer skin level there's, there can be pure rage. And if killing were legal, somebody would not leave that, that environment. So mm. there's a valid reason to have, can we find ways to calm people down, to get them to look at the situation a little bit differently? Uh, because we're dealing mainly with feelings, and, and it's, it's said that uh, 
uh, and Maya Angelou was the second person to say this, and that is folks will not remember what you've told them or what what they hear or what they see, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And if we can massage the environment in such a way that some legitimate feelings can surface where we all can recognize we're all connected and we all want to get to to love, peace, and happiness as a as a core uh, a core goal. We just may be taking different routes to that to that goal. That mm-hmm. maybe we will have what the Daddy Bush called a, a more gentle society and maybe a better planet. No, absolutely. Now, something you said earlier, there's actually two things that you said I wanted to tap into, and that's about being present, because in our in our planning uh, conversation, uh, one of the phrases you uh, mentioned was call, and, and I loved it, I wanted you to talk about it, is being present in the presence with your presence. <laughs> Did you get that, Abby? <laughs> She's my intern tweeting right now. Being present in the presence with your presence. Say more about what that means to you. Well, uh, let me repeat it. Uh, Being present in the present with your presence. Uh, That, in fact, uh, I I borrowed that from uh, ADD. Uh, I'm an ADD coach. And uh, many folks and most adults, most adults have about 10% of their psyche is ADD. And oftentimes we are so scattered with our focus and that's what drives an ADD brain is focus if they're not focused on anything they're all over the place and, and many and of the just, listeners I'm going pa- sh- to pause for just a moment because not everyone will know what ADD is so because we have a global uh, audience and that's attention deficit disorder is that right thank you yes ma'am okay thank great you so go much. for it go, sometimes so they call a lot it of ADHD folks have that. Okay, right exactly well, go ahead most adults have about most adults, 10% of their personality could be considered ADD generated. And the purpose of, and I'm using that just as the, I'm borrowing it from them, and that is many times we are looking and talking with one another, either having casual conversation or important conversation, and and our mind is, is distracted in many different ways. I'm I'm talking to you about making an appointment today, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, when I get home tonight, did the plumber come and fix the leak and so forth and so on. So oftentimes we are not as focused singularly on what is going on. And some people say the greatest act of love you can give anybody is to truly listen to them. And many of us do not. We're a nation of talkers, uh, even though we were given two ears and a mouth, which should be a clue, but it's not for most. Mm -hmm. And we speak as if we have 27 mouths and one quarter of one ear. Uh, And then you come up with other isms, such as, uh, are you uh, listening to understand or are you listening to reload? Meaning, Mm -hmm. is your story running while the other person's talking? Uh, then we have uh, uh, what uh, Stephen Covey has said, uh, first seek to understand, then to be understood. I mean, all of these neat little sayings that most folks do not focus. And when we have our call to action, I'd like to share with the audience something that I think would be helpful for them in the coming weeks. Uh, but it, we, we're so 
oftentimes so distracted that truly listening to another person uh, is not even on the table. Uh, Many of us say, well, I missed something, uh, but I'm smart enough that I'll catch in the furtherance of the conversation as it moves along the track, I'll be able to pick it up. Uh, There are some folks, and I so applaud them, that are saying, I missed that. Would you please restate that for me? Uh, and that's so helpful. So being present in the presence with your presence is taking your total being and focusing on the other person. Uh, Leo Biscaglia, who wrote, who's called the hug doctor, was told mm-hmm. numerous times as he reported it, people looked at him and said, you listen too hard, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they're really paying attention. And then they, then you run into the situation where you're you're listening and you're really picking up the full message even though the speaker doesn't wish for you to do so Mm. i mean there are times that when somebody's speaking and there's a hidden agenda and you're paying so close attention you pick it up but it's a psychology game they don't want you to mention it even though you've seen it or heard it so being present in the presence with your presence is fully attending another human being. Uh, I could recall, and I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I would remember that uh, when I would come home from the office and, uh, and uh, I would sit in front of the TV and I have the newspaper and my wife would, would uh, mention something to me and I'd have maybe a tenth of an ear into it and not really pay attention and then, and then went to marriage therapy And then I learned a very neat thing to do. The minute she spoke, I turned the TV off, put the newspaper down, and physically shifted my body and looked at her and and presented myself saying, I'm ready to listen. Mm. And magic occurred. Absolute magic occurred. (laughs) And were you able to I didn't realize I was such a turkey. (laughs) Ah, I didn't realize I was such a turkey. So, but you know, even though, and, and we'll we'll finish up this point and start to close the the program. Even though you put down the newspaper, you put your full body in the presence of her speaking. Do you find that sometimes your mind still gets distracted? And is there anything that you did to really stay focused on what she's saying so it didn't sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, blah, 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 right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, All right. We don't have to be exactly. I'll give you another call to action at the end. There's a concept known as rapid repeat. Uh, Now, rapid repeat is where one fully focuses on the speaker, the listeners fully focusing on the speaker, and as the speaker is speaking, the listener is repeating every single word to themselves that they're hearing. It's almost impossible to think anything else because you're so concentrated on that process. Now, it's not going to occur overnight. It took me about a month to perfect it for me, but I have done it. As a matter of fact, in every conversation I'm in, because I have to do it to make sure that I hear what's being said, not just in my professional life, but I really feel that in my personal life, it's, it's, to me, it's a sign of love to the person I'm listening to. 
uh, that I really need to pay that kind of attention to them because it says to them that you are important to me. Uh, and, and I feel that I need to do that. As, as a, I was speaking to my uh, two daughters tonight, and both on the phone, so it's even more of a challenge because I can't watch any body language. Uh, but I do repeat every single word that's said. Unfortunately, sometimes when they speak at the same time, that's even a greater challenge. Uh, I don't tell them to stop, but, but I try my best <laughs> to hear but the rapid repeat uh, keeps the person, the listener, focused solely on what's being said. Uh, and many, there are times I will miss something and ask them to repeat it. Uh, and then uh, in, certainly in mediation, when I give back what I've heard, uh, oftentimes what the part of, many times I've been told, you said it better than I did. And I, that's mm-hmm. when I do the verbatim and not the paraphrasing. Right, uh, right. So, I have to uh, tell my, I have to give my husband that technique, the rapid repeat. <laughs> I think he thinks I'm like Charlie Brown's teacher sometimes. <laughs> well, we are going to close, and I, I love talking to you, and we could probably talk a lot longer. Uh, and uh, I, I want to thank you, the listeners, for for showing up on our on our studio and for. Um, uh, Abby, for tweeting for us tonight and for you sharing your lifelong uh, learnings and colloquialisms. Our listeners are very familiar with uh, the guest giving an assignment for the week. So what do you want to give to the listener to take that next step? I'd like to recommend very seriously, uh, many of us, when, there, when we, some things happen in our life, when we look to blame others, Uh, to use words of responsibility instead of saying John made me mad or it made me mad. If you can substitute the word I for the person or the it, I made me mad, I made me upset, and take responsibility for what we've done and see if that in any way helps to reframe somebody's life. Uh, and that's, that's a counseling technique that has caused me to just change my life and many others. So changing the word it or names to accepting oh, responsibility for my actions and reactions. Okay, great. So listeners, you have your uh, I made me feel and then fill in the blank with the emotion as an attempt to take some accountability and responsibility for your part uh, in that conflict conversation. What's the best, first of all, what's the best way for folks to find you, get a hold of you, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, some things you have going on uh, to promote that. So what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or find you? Well, uh, of course, my telephone number, which is my cell number, which uh, I always answer like the president does, uh, 478-747-4000, 478-747-4000. Or our company is the new DMA, David Mary Abel, uh, and .com. So we're we're on the Internet, and uh, we're always open to and receiving calls daily, even in the evening, about anything and everything. 
Okay, great. So the newdma.com and listeners, you can also find that uh, on their program page at the TexasConflictCoach.com. So if you forget it, um, you'll always be able to find and link back to uh, to Bob's uh, website. What does he want listeners to know about uh, things that you have going on, maybe a, a workshop coming up, anything that you would like them to know uh, about something now? Well, we have developed, Carolyn and I have developed a course called Mediate to Stay Married. Uh, many folks uh, have challenges in their relationships. Uh, they don't want to get a divorce or they don't want to get a counseling. Uh, and having been a therapist for a quarter of a century, oftentimes we didn't really deal with uh, how to deal with conflict. And many times uh, marital or couple discord comes from unfulfilled expectations, which do result in conflict. And the mediate to stay married concept is relatively new and might be the the middle ground, if you will, uh, that might be of help. So we'd love to talk to folks about it, plus all of the other services that we do provide, which you uh, commented on at the very beginning of the show. Okay, very good. So I, I think that, and, and I know, folks, that when you go to the newdma.com, uh, you'll find some information there. Uh, obviously, Bob and his partner, Carolyn, have uh, years of experience uh, working in the family arena as well as other arenas as well. Bob, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the guest and, and, and uh, educating our audience from around the globe. What final message would you like to leave with listeners? I would like to say thank you to you for the service you're providing your folks. What you're doing is absolutely wonderful for for our society. So that's the last word I'd like to leave. (laughs) You're going to make me tear up, Bob. Thank you. That was very, very sweet. And very humbling. And again, thank you for being part of this. Uh, everyone, thank you for being in the studio to support our program. And everyone, have a wonderful and happy new year. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can find all of our podcasts archived to listen at your convenience at TexasConflictCoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also become a Facebook fan of Conflict Connections or Twitter me at TX Conflict Coach.